Welcome to Diary of a Third Culture Kid. I'm Samuel, and in case you don't know, Third Culture Kids, or TCKs, are people raised in a culture other than their parents or the culture of their passport country for a significant part of their childhood. Consider each episode to be an entry to a diary of Third Culture Kids, their parents, my own family, or TCK experts. Today I'm interviewing Riyadh Taha, an adult third culture kid, communications entrepreneur, uncle, friend, and a Syrian refugee living in Luxembourg. Keep listening to hear the unique story of his path from escaping the war in Syria, losing friends, family, and his business in the process, to owning and operating his own business in Luxembourg. Just a quick heads up, before we go into this episode, I wanted to let you all know that I recorded this interview back at the beginning of January 2020, before the pandemic and before my move to America. So no COVID protocols were necessary at the time, and my voice may sound a bit different. This is Season 1, Episode 7, Not Only a Refugee. Hey mom, so can you describe what we're doing right now? Yes, we are driving, uh, we just drove through the forest, we're going to my friend Ibrahim's house, about 10 minutes away, um, so that we can interview his brother, and we might, I guess we'll talk to him too a little bit. I was really looking forward to meeting Riyadh and his brother Ibrahim, as they're both adult third culture kids. I asked my mom a couple more questions about them while we were driving to their house in the countryside of the small European country of Luxembourg. So Ibrahim and I met um, in my French class. There's a lot of actually refugees in there and it's been really, it's been special to get to know and understand the stories of, of these wonderful people who have, who have come and they're just seeking asylum in other places and I've been so inspired by them. So I was talking to Samuel about it and we thought it'd be a great, it'd be very insightful for people to, to also learn about their stories. So Ibrahim since his he was nervous about his English, he volunteered his brother to speak with us. So it'll be interesting for, for all of us because I don't know his brother, and we will find all about his story too. So we're going to arrive there in a couple of minutes, and we've prepared some questions for him. Uh, he's a refugee here, and... We'd like to hear a story and how we came here and maybe his experience um, living away from his family and friends in Syria and what the journey was like coming to Luxembourg and what it's like living here for so many years. Just before we start the interview, I wanted to give some context to any background noise you may hear. I recorded the interview in the open living room of Riyadh Taha's multi-generational home. Thus, you may faintly hear doors closing, people speaking in Syrian, or call ringtones. Additionally, my mom and I were enjoying some traditional Syrian tea, so you may hear some clinking of teacups. I hope you enjoy! So I was wondering if I could start, like, do you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? 
Okay. So, uh, you you have question to. Yeah. So to first ask. of all, where are you from? Uh, my name is Riyad Taha. I am from Syria. Uh, I came to Luxembourg in 2013. Uh, as we all know, uh, because of the war in Syria and what's happened, a lot of people, they moved from there. Uh, myself, I moved uh, in 2011 from Syria to Istanbul. I was in between Istanbul and Cairo in Egypt. Until 2013, I came to Luxembourg for conference, for ICT conference, to attend a conference here. And at the same time, I was looking for a safe place to, to live. And I like the country here. And I decided to stay, to find uh, my work, to, to do something, and to rebuild my life again. And in the same time, uh, my family was part of them in Syria, other part in Cairo also. They came to Cairo, to Egypt. Also because of the bad situation in Egypt, they moved to Turkey. And 2017, they moved from Turkey to Greece. And mm -hmm. afterwards, they jo joined me all here. Like, how did you get to Luxembourg? Um, uh, well, I, I came by plane to Luxembourg. As I said, I, I yeah. applied to, to attend a conference here, and I got the visa. Uh, yes, after the conference, uh, I applied uh, as asylum uh, seeker to get a refugee status, and I stayed here. Were you able to start working right away because you had been working ICT before? Before I had my company in Syria, and also I was working in Qatar and Dubai for a few years in ICT company. So in Luxembourg, uh, after you apply for asylum, you have to wait nine months or 12 months to get your paper to be official here. Then you can uh, start to, to looking for work. Because during the, your ap application, it treated with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, you have no rights to work because you have just a temporary residence. You have to renew every month until you get uh, the approval that uh, you get the refugee statue. Then you will have uh, the work permit and everything. So then, how long have you lived in Luxembourg? For how many years? You did you say? Yeah, two thousand eleven. So you lived here. No, two thousand thirteen. 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 So seven years. It's almost seven years. That's great. And um, so what was it like leaving your country? Well, it was difficult to leave the country, but we were living in homes. It's the city which start demonstration since two thousand eleven. And in Homs and our village, it's Telbisi, so start attacking by, by the Assad regime. A lot of soldiers and uh, tanks, so it was not possible to live there. And at the beginning, we moved from our city to another city, 
where my brother was living, we have another brother, he was living in another city, it was still safe. So we moved from there to that safe place. And also, it started to, to be a revolution in that city, and then I decided to go to, to Istanbul. And, well, also, as I had a company in Syria for social media and IT and etc., uh, they wanted to use my company services for their propaganda. Mm. They oh. want me to, to make some uh, email marketing and internet marketing to show people things which is not correct. Right. Oh. So that's why from the beginning I decided to, to leave from there. But well, afterwards, uh, they attack my company and uh, they destroy everything. Oh, Yes. So to to escape Syria, did you have to like sneak out overnight, or how were you able to leave safely? Uh, well, it was a bit difficult, but the time when I left Syria, the border was still under the government control. But for sure, on that time, I paid money for people on the border to let me go. It was not easy to leave uh, the country, but on, on that period of time, so yeah. you can pay money for people and uh, they can just let you go. Speed up the process. Right. Exactly. It's the same how people came from, from uh, Turkey to Greece, uh, so they came by port, but it's not for, they did not come by uh, free. They, they pay money to, to, to pass. Uh, from Turkey to Greece or... So when you were, when you were leaving, like, did you have to live in a refugee camp or... In Luxembourg, have, yes. yes. In Luxembourg, I was living in a refugee camp for around eight months or nine months, something like that. But afterwards, I moved to live in university camp because I registered for a master degree mm -hmm. in Luxembourg University. So, so when you have a student card and you are registered for the university, you have right to live uh, in university camps. They have special places for students. So I moved to there, yeah. Oh, that's nice. And what was it like living at the refugee camp? Well, it was it's new experience and it's difficult to accept that, but there is no... When you are living in a refugee camp and you are thinking what you lost You're right. and where, where you were and where you are, it's, it's really very difficult. It's not easy to anyone to accept it, but you have to adapt with that. It's not only to live with the memories and what's happened. What's happened, it's happened. Okay. Right. So you can't focus on the past. Exactly. You have to be a little bit realistic to accept where you are. Even I and my family, we were living in a good situation also in Syria. My father, he, he's a lawyer and he was a consultant for the Minister of Defense. And the, the family situation in general was quite good in Syria. And also myself, I had my 
company, I had my nice life, I had everything. So it's just like that you lost. Ibrahim said he had, um, he, he was had, an entrepreneur, he had his own Yeah, he company. had a company also with uh, construction, himself. yes, with my other brother. So we had this company, Ibrahim and Tariq, they were working on, on this construction company. And they have a lot of big projects and I have my IT company. So we were really in, in stable and nice life. Exactly. Everything we, we, we have. And suddenly you lose everything. It's not easy yeah, to adapt with that. But again, the first month was really difficult to live in this camp. And, you know, you have to go to, to wait for your meal or things like that. So it's, it's a bit uh, hard, you know, from inside. But, well, uh, it's not the case just to be depressed and to think about the life is life is finished so the life it will continue right so myself i was i was more realistic i was more concentrating okay what's happened it's happened just move on and accept the things and i need to work on myself because if you will just think about what's happened and you don't really work on yourself to find a job, to do something, you will not integrate in the new place. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, before I move to the university camp, I register as a, a guest student. Because without my paper, I cannot register as a regular student. Mm -hmm. So oh. I, I was for one semester, when I was in, in the refugee camp, I was going to university as a, a, a guest student for six months, and then I registered as a regular student. Then I moved to, to right. university camp, yeah. And after you, um, after you graduated or after you finished, how did you find a new job and um, have a stable life here afterwards? Well, um, Again, uh, it depends on the person. Myself, I was quite active. So, you know, you have to know people. You have to introduce yourself and to go here and there. It's not just to, to stay in the camp and uh, mm -hmm. to, to say, okay, how I will work or how I will find work. I was working with Amnesty International as a voluntary. Mm -hmm. And from Amnesty International, I start to know people. And uh, yeah, I helped them with a lot of things as I have experience in IT, also with organizing events, etc. So for, I don't know, eight months or something like that. And afterwards, I make a stagiaire also, uh, internship uh, with a company. Uh, it's social data company, Talkworker. Also, I was focusing in Middle East uh, market as I speak Arabic and I did with them uh, almost eight months also internship. But afterwards, this was in 2015, okay, uh, I decided to, to open my, my own business, to, to, to open my, my company. So... Here in Luxembourg. In Luxembourg. So I opened... 
my shop in, in Etelbrook to repair smartphone and tablet and uh, selling smartphone and accessory and etc. Oh, okay, I didn't know you did that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Is, is it yeah. the same thing? Was that the same thing you were doing in Syria? No. What I was doing in Syria, it was uh, IT project. For example, I was, uh, if there is a new building and we, we want to make a network infrastructure, oh. server system, everything. I was the project manager who is doing all this stuff and I have a team, technical team to do this. Because since I was in Qatar and Dubai, I was doing this projects and I was traveling to China, to Korea to, to bring all the material. So this was the main, what I was doing. You cannot do uh, what you, it depends where you are because in Luxembourg, it's um, it's it's a country you have to understand the market right you have to know what to to do okay to say okay i i will make a it project it's not easy there is a lot of competitors and a lot of big companies so yeah. it's by chance i decide to to open a shop for smartphone how it comes i was with my friend we were having a coffee and i remember i had an iphone 6 uh, just fall down and broken. I told him, oh, I need to repair my phone. It's, it's not, uh, I need to use my phone. At the same time, I start to search on the internet. Where is the repair center around in the city? I found one. I went to there, I gave them my mobile and they told me you can come back after two or three hours to get your phone. And I came after three hours and I paid 180 euro, I remember. In three hours, I, I said, Oh, this is good business, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody drops their phones. <laughs> but, you know, because the phone, it's a daily use, and everyone uses his phone every minute, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's something, if it's broken, you need to, to repair it immediately. Yeah, it's on high demand. So, in that moment, I start to search about this business. And I start to, to find a shop in Luxembourg city, but it's expensive in Luxembourg city to rent a place. And that's why I find uh, one in, uh, in Etelbrook in the north. And I start uh, to, to do the things for the business. Wow, and is that your full-time job? Yeah. Because my, my mom mentioned that you also organize a concert with yes. Syrian artists yes. um, in Berlin every year. So. How did that go? Was it last month? Uh, well, we start uh, Ornina Syrian Orchestra. Uh, we started 2016. We had the first concert in Grand Theatre here in Luxembourg. Myself, uh, I am the administration manager for this orchestra. But how, how it comes also, the maestro of the orchestra, the director of the orchestra, he's my friend, he's living here. He has a restaurant in Luxembourg. so. We know each other since I arrived. And he know all the musicians and the musicians living in Europe, mm -hmm. in Spain, Italy, Sweden, Germany, France, in, in everywhere. So we got a fund in 2016 to bring all them here and to have a Syrian orchestra. So we liked the project and we had it again in 2018, also in Luxembourg, in the uh, Grand Theatre. And we got the chance to have it in uh, Berlin Philharmonie, 2019, in September. And we were also in February, just last month we were in, in Philharmonie of Berlin. 
So it comes uh, through network and people, and all of these, they have ambition for, for they are all uh, graduated from the uh, uh, institution of music in Syria. So they know each other, but everyone live in, in another country. So what we did, I and my, my friend, the maestro, we collect all of them. So I, I like to, to do some culture events. Yeah, it's course. important for me to show people uh, the other, uh, I would say, the other side of, of Syria. So, because during the last years, in the news and everywhere, so Syria is always linked with the war, with oh, people course. killing each other <clears throat> and refugees and etc. Cetera, et cetera. But also, those people have something else to show. Right. To the other it's not just about the war. Yes. And uh, this is very important. It's a message. We would like to, to, to spread a message that we have our culture, we have our values, we would like to share yeah. with you. And the war the... didn't take all that away from you. You still, nothing can take away their ability to play the music and to feel that and to share. They'll always their have talents. that talent. Exactly. That's, I think yeah. that's fabulous. Speaking of culture and, and um, everything like that, do you have children that live here with you and family? Uh, in Luxembourg, as I mentioned from the beginning, uh, after 2016, 17, all my family joined me here now. So I have my parents, I have my brothers, I have five brothers, I have my sister here with two uh, kids, and uh, also, I have my uncles here now and my cousins, so we are now a big family here. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But what was it like living so far away from them? Because um, you were here while they were still in Syria for a couple of years. It was difficult because all the years I was living here and they are far from me, uh, it's uh, hurting me because they are not in a safe place. Because, as I said, they were in Syria, and in Syria they were moving from city to city, where it's starting and they move to another city. So I, I, I couldn't live well here until I know that they are in, in a safe place. Yeah. So they moved to Egypt, they stayed in Egypt two years, but also in Egypt it was not that easy for them. So after two years, it comes also very bad in Egypt. Then they came to Turkey. So. Can you imagine that you are living here in a safe place and everything okay, but you are thinking about your family because you don't know what will happen to them. Yeah, I'm sure that must yeah. have been really difficult. Were, were you able to keep in touch with them or contact them while they were in Syria? Um, well, I would say for Ibrahim and my mom, they stay in Syria far from the other part of the family because part of the family they went to Egypt, but Ibrahim and my mom, they were in the city on their side and they couldn't get out from there. So they were five years in Syria. It was difficult to contact them. Uh, there is no internet, no internet. Every two months, we, we got a message from, from Ibrahim that they are okay. How we, we, we contact them, there is a Facebook page for the city. A group of young people they created and they show how the bumps on the city 
with the video and the destruction and how uh, they just upload videos and photos and things like that and they write every day who died Oh. So they have a list every day. They... So you're just looking every day. Exactly, exactly. And once I remember, when I was in Istanbul, I was just looking to, to, to this page, and every day I, I was looking to this page, and I just opened one YouTube, and I saw my mom. Oh. Because there is a bump on, on the house, in our house, and I just... She, she was not... Uh, uh, hearted, she is not injured, oh. but the house was... Uh, destroyed because there is a bomb and she was crying and explaining what what's happened yes yes this was shock for me because you know you cannot well I was expecting that things will happen because you know in our village that bumps every day every day but you you always uh, have a, a feeling that your family are safe Right. But when you see them, that there's a palms and you see your mom on, on, on the YouTube, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult. And it's so close, it could have... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it was your own house, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you still have family in Syria? Yeah, yeah, we have still one sister with her family in Syria. And we have our, we have my uncles also, we have there... Uh, one uncle, I think. And I'm One uncle and three aunts. And for sure we have our cousins also. Because uh, we are in a village that we are a big family. Yeah. yeah. So what is it like um, raising, like, raising children or having all of your family here in a different country and culture than in Syria? It's also... Uh, need time to, 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 for the family to integrate here. Well, for the children, it's easy because the children, uh, I would say Rimas and Mariam, they are seven and eight years and the others, they will integrate it with the schools. Okay, now they speak Luxembourgish and German and the others speaks French. So for the young, it's, it's okay to adapt. But yeah. for the others, well, for example, Ibrahim, Tarek, uh, the others, and for my parents, it's a bit difficult because uh, they need to get too used to the system here and uh, to communicate with people because the language is very important. And with this age, it's not easy to learn language quickly. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you're younger. Exactly. No, I'm the immigrant mom. When I, when I go to the doctor's office, I say, Samuel, what did she say? <laughs> yes, yes. And we always uh, ask also Rimas and Mariam if uh, Fatin went to, to the commune or somewhere that they uh, translate and helping her. So Yeah, right. Uh, this is a difficult part. So it's humbling as an adult to not feel like you understand everything that's yes. going on. And from this is from one side and the other side, the system of the country. For example, the post office. In Syria, people doesn't it's not only about my family, it's about all the Syrians who arrived here. People doesn't get to use to, to communicate with the government by post. We don't have this. Oh. So people here needs time to get used that they receive every day post. They should 
check their posts, they should send posts, they should know how to write uh, uh, the addresses because we don't have the, this kind of addresses in Syria. How does it work in Syria? I don't know. <laughs> so, so you just, would you go to the post office? Like what would a typical like that. experience yeah, but the post Yeah, but the country, it's not, uh, it's not organized to have uh, the, the number of the building and the street name and the postcode. Mm. It's not organized like that. And people doesn't use to receive and send post. <laughs> That's why that the families, they receive a lot of posts, a lot, and they need to get used to that. So mm -hmm. I, I explained so that to them. that's why you were on Facebook more, maybe? Because yeah. that was just the simplest way to get communication yeah. rather than by post or something. Yeah, I'm sure that must have been difficult to get used yes. to. Just like you're talking about with the posting, like with the posts, um, what are some of the differences in your life here in Luxembourg compared to your life in Syria? Uh, it's completely different. <laughs> well, I would say, uh, yeah, the culture is different. Uh, the, as I, I mentioned, the, the post system, it's different. The um, health insurance, it's also there. They, we don't have this that uh, you, you have the CNS here card and you can go and you just give and you receive de facto by, by, by post to your home. And the, the security, social, they cover all the expense. We don't have this there. So it's all private. So you have to go and the, the, the country doesn't cover this for people. So all of this information, it's new and need time to, to adapt. Even the transportation, also, you need to know geography about the, the, the country yeah. here and to use the application and if you want to use the bus from where to where mm -hmm. and the train and these things. Here it's more organized and you have to wait, for example, that uh, the bus coming at 10.30, for example, so you know at 10.30 it's coming. And you have to check the board that he's coming after two minutes or three minutes. So this kind of things, it's more organized here. And mm -hmm. they need just anyone he will, uh, from Syria arriving here. He need time to adapt with that and to, to know how the system are going here. And yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. So um, if you could... so. There's been a lot of years that you have been here in Luxembourg. Is it still a struggle getting used to the culture or have you feel like you are transitioned and you are completely stable here? I feel I am, I am completely stable, yes. Well, but if you ask this question to, to Ibrahim, for example, he, he will tell you something else. Right. Because I was working on myself to integrate here and to find job, to, to have a network, to participate in event, to participate with a lot of things. And yeah, and uh, with the language, it's easier for me as I speak English. But if you ask Ibrahim or maybe some other brother, 
it's difficult for them. It's still difficult for them to to feel stable here. Right. I I, I hope that you understand. What no, 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 yeah, it de it depends on the person himself. You know. Yeah, their personality. Exactly. And yeah. I think the language is such a key to. At least for me, I don't speak French very well, and so it's been harder for me to integrate as fully and deeply here. And there are just people that I won't get to know very well in my neighborhood because we really just don't have an easy way to communicate yeah. versus when we lived in the Netherlands, pretty much everybody spoke English, English. so it was just really Easier. easy yeah. to get to know everyone. And also the language from one side and your personality also to... To introduce yourself to people also and to to go to participate event i i was always going to participate social events mm -hmm. business event mm -hmm. uh, to have network uh, to go there and there and check you know here in luxembourg you can check uh, there is a lot of events a lot of things so you go and you introduce yourself and you show that you would like to, to communicate with people. If you just stay at home, even if you speak language, if you did not get in touch with people, you will not feel integrated here. Right. Yeah. Right. And for the for the people that, like, maybe their personality, it's difficult for them to adapt and maybe it's for everyone. What do you think that um, refugees need or, like... Do you feel like refugees need help or need anything from the communities where they move? Like, what would be the most important things to yes to help them? Yes, they need support from the the community, to how to say to because the refugees and the Syrians they they feel shy to to introduce themselves or to participate things, but if the community do some events for them and just to, to let them to open it up more. Right. You know, I, I'm sure the, the community here, they are welcoming people and they are very lovely and uh, I know a lot of people here, I have experience, they are very nice people, but they keep distance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. This is, this is, a little bit uh, difficult if they just open it more the, the the refugee will be more integrated right like sometimes when I'm maybe downtown Luxembourg and I see people who may be immigrants or refugees like I see that they're kind of treated differently than the locals and the expats that are here and uh, and I'm sure like that does that make it probably makes you feel like you and the people in the refugee community like feel like an outsider, you know, like other person. Or... How does it make you feel? Uh, Luxembourg, it's a country we all know. The, the habitants, it's 45% foreigners. Mm -hmm. So they use it to, to foreigner people. They, they... They're used to that. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, but the point to, as you are a refugee, here is the point to feel that you are a refugee okay I am a refugee what's what's the matter okay yeah, of course yeah. yeah so if you work and you participate with the with the community and you pay your taxes you pay your uh, things so you share you contribute to feel a refugee it's just 
to stay home and you got uh, uh, the, the help from the state and you don't do anything. This is, uh, for me, as a refugee, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. So you have to, this country, they accept us, they welcoming us, they offer to us uh, safe and everything. So we have also to share things with them. It's important. Mm -hmm. It's not to, to rely on, on the state to get uh, uh, the help from them or the, uh, and you don't do anything. No, it's important to work on, on, on yourself and to find a job to do, uh, to, to give them also uh, things that you participate and you contribute with the society. Now, what do you think would be something that a, they would, a refugee would want to contribute? Or how would you build that cohesion? Um, the companies here first, they, uh, as I said, there is a distance, they would distance. If, even in, in, uh, in terms of the, the, the work market and the labor market. So, mm -hmm. uh, I was participating in different events to explain that they should give chance for refugees to accept them in their companies Mm -hmm. At least right. one year for for uh, training or mm -hmm. stagiaire or something like yeah, that. Because the company thinks that okay, refugees and they came from Syria or from Iraq or some, some where they don't have experience. But well, the refugees arriving here, there is engineers. There is doctors, there is uh, people have different kind of experience, lawyers and etc. So if the companies did not give a chance for them and opportunity, they will feel lost. Because here it's not easy to find job because the competitors are quite big because of the languages. People speak four or five languages here and the refugee came to speak maybe English or just Arabic, and they work on themselves to learn French. But also, if they speak only French and they go to find job, it's not easy to find job. But give them chance, opportunity to, uh, to know about their experience. If you did not give them opportunity, they will feel lost. So, yeah, it's really important that the companies give like refugees chance, like, and they can yes. employ them and help teach them. So yeah, like you said, so they don't feel lost. And what about for someone like Samuel at school? If there's some some other students that maybe have recently moved there, who are seeking asylum, what's something that somebody his age or school age could keep in mind when they are when they see other people who are transitioning like that? Yeah, to make their life better, like as a teenager. Uh, with your age, it's still okay. Well, the first months, it will be difficult for the student because they will feel they don't speak language and the others speak two or three language. It's chalk for them. Mm -hmm. And they feel, what? What's this? Where I am? <laughs> that exactly. I, I speak only Arabic and people here speak different languages. How I will how I can continue with them. It's difficult, the first, even the first year it's difficult because I have my younger brother 
for arriving here because I have uh, my two brothers and one nephew arriving in 2015 before the family. And for them, when they went to the school, it was very difficult because they don't speak any language. They don't speak English, they don't speak French, only Arabic. And when they went to, there is a Klija course, which is by the Ministry of uh, Education, when the refugee arriving here, they put them like in a Koi uh, uh, class. Mm -hmm. But when they face the other students, they speak different languages and they don't know anything. It's, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for them. And I know that the, the ministry now have a program to, to let students to be integrated little mm -hmm. by little, mm -hmm. to be ready mm -hmm. uh, to have a normal class. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure as an adult, it's even harder because it's harder to learn the language, of course. And uh, yeah. and so what are some things adults can do to raise awareness and help uh, refugees, like other refugees that are adults? From the school, you mean, or? No, just like um, adults in general. Um, like, like for someone like me, what would yeah. be something... For me to keep in mind as an adult with other people who are refugees is that kind of yeah what like or if you are working with a refugee at your um at your office like what is something to keep in mind and or to maybe help them uh first it's it's important what you ask i i, I think what you if you don't have experience with refugees you cannot advise them <laughs> Because, for, for example, for you, you cannot advise them because you don't know the background of them. You don't know how they live or... So the, the question here should be the associations who are working to support refugees, they should make some more events to let refugees more integrated. But... For example, from, for you, if I ask you, you know Ibrahim and he is refugee, so you know him from, from your class. If you ask your mom this question, she cannot answer it because she doesn't know what, how to help Ibrahim or how to do it. Right. She, I like Ibrahim, I like no, no, studying I, with him, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, you understand me because you don't have uh, information how he lives here, how he do his things, what he really needs. Well, and also, I think there's also kind of that timidity of you say, I want to reach out and be better friends with some of the people in the class, but I also don't, and I maybe I meet somebody and I think, oh, well, do they need anything? But I don't want them to think that I just they're just a project or charity. It's like, no, I mean, as a, as a friend, as a person, I want to, I know it's hard to move and change. I've, I have moved and changed under good circumstances. I can't imagine having to leave everything behind indefinitely. So I think you know, uh, we can advise. You can't ask me this question because I have experience how, because I was leaving the, the refugee life and mm -hmm. I know what people need and how do they suffer. 
as I said, we have to explain them how the system here, how the life is here, mm-hmm. how to be well integrated here. Kind of like a guide. Exactly. So, what what you what you are looking for? What's your profession? Okay, my profession is. Uh, so, uh, like electrician, uh, um, okay. I can guide you to go there to do some training, mm-hmm. to introduce you to people, to 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 let you do something, and I can guide you to understand how the social system are working here, how the commune are working, how the CNS working, how the post is working. So the basic things. It's very important to to share with our new arrivals, okay? And to participate some events, social mm-hmm. event, to get more in touch with the community here. Mm-hmm. So... What would, a social, what would a successful social event look like where people would want to come and feel comfortable? You know, there is a, there's some association here like uh, Caritas, Kurwaruj, Asti, uh, also, sometimes the commune do some events, even local events. It's good to participate, to be part of of the society, mm-hmm. okay, and to go to to show people that you like to participate with them, and maybe for drink, maybe uh, they have some special events for uh, for stanchial commune. I don't know, or for the other commune where you live, so. This is important because you get used to the community more and you start to have network and if you have a question you can ask, you can also practice your language. So this is small details, it's important. Out of everything um, we've spoken about, if you could tell like people that are not refugees one main message, what would it be? If they are not refugee? Mm-hmm. What would be the main message you would give them? That the, uh, the refugee are not only refugee, I would say. Because the refugee also they have uh, their history, they have their experience and to, to say I am not only refugee, that means you have things to share. And a lot of people uh, we know, like Einstein and uh, some other scientific people, they were refugee. So the refugee, it's not, it's not a word, it's a behavior. So, yeah, it's kind of just maybe a status, but it's not who the person is. Yes. Yeah, we need to give them a chance. It's not their chance. identity. Yes. It's it's just yeah, it's just a part of what they're what they happen to be doing right now. Exactly. 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 Yeah. So you just need to give them um yeah a good chance to good settle chance and to to and broke the distance. So yeah. give a chance and broke broke the distance. So. Um, be close to them to to listen to them because as I said, the Syrians and uh, the Iraqis and all the refugees arriving here, also they feel a bit 
strange in this country and they feel shy to but for example if you give me opportunity to to talk to me or to give me chance to to express myself you broke the distance between me and you and i will feel more comfort mm -hmm. to to talk about myself about my experience to share things yeah. well yeah so thank you so much for speaking and uh and it's really nice oh to God. hear from you because uh, a lot of my listeners are not aware what life is like for a refugee in different countries. So, yeah, thank you so much for You're your welcome. insights. You're welcome. Thanks also for your nice project. I, I like it and to share with people uh, this kind of uh, topics uh, that people can hear from the others. Okay, now maybe people will listen to me. They don't know me, but it's good. To, to let them have some experience about refugees and how they were living and how they are living now and to share and contribute with them. Yeah. Absolutely, thank you. And thanks yeah. to Ibrahim for introducing uh, us. You are welcome. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. You are welcome. I'm Juliet, Samuel's sister. I love writing poetry. And one of my favorite poems I've written was inspired by people like Riyadh and his family. It is called Refugee Reverie. On the endless road to somewhere, where I do not know. Fleeing away from yesterday. Yesterday, with the sirens bellowing their loud cries, telling me to flee. But to where? It seems like there's no tomorrow. Time is in an endless loop. A loop with no beginning or end. Constant seeking for shelter and food. But maybe a falling star will grant me a wish. Maybe, just maybe, I will have a better tomorrow. A tomorrow with no cries, not from the sirens, or women weeping over their children. A tomorrow where men's eyes are filled with the promise of steady work and safety for their families. Maybe my tomorrow will be filled with laughs and smiles and rejoicing that some lucky people are still alive. But now, I am on the endless road, walking towards hope. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening. There are more episodes coming soon, so keep listening and please add notifications for Diary of a Third Culture Kid so you will know immediately when an episode comes out. To learn more about Riyadh and his story, you can visit the link in the description of this podcast episode to an article in the Luxembourg Times sharing more about Riyadh's life. As your host, I would love to hear your insights and recommendations for anything, such as topics to talk about or things you would like to know about me. You can contact me on Instagram at Diary of ATCK. If you like this episode, please leave a five-star review below or send it to your friends so they can listen to it wherever they get their podcast. Thanks, and see you soon.